Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Matthew 16, 18. Let's read the word. And I tell that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Ushers, you may continue. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those who are online, even across the nations, from the South America to Europe. I thank you for those that are gathered here that came from far and near, many driving from Anchorage or from Telkeetna on this winter day in Alaska. I thank you that your word will go forth and not return void, and that you, Lord, would perform and perfect everything concerning us this morning. On this very first day of the year 2023, of the year of our Lord, that you would speak to us with crystal clear clarity, that each and every one of us would be impacted, inspired, strengthened with might, that each and every one of us would receive fresh vision and impartation, that you this morning would break the bonds of the wicked one, that you this morning would release your yoke-destroying, burden-lifting anointing upon us to do what you've called us to do, individually and corporately. And thank you that you are building your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We declare it. In Jesus' name, give a big amen. 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 You may be seated. The reason I had them pause and notes, the same reason just to give honor in the word and not to want you to be distracted. I'm in the midst of a series and uh, not starting a new series, continuing in the one I'm in, the victorious church. So why would you preach on the victorious church? Because the church is not some pablum-eating, limp-wristed, half-hearted, weak thing that we do, as some atheists would say, that religion is a crutch for the masses. No, the church or the ecclesia is God's idea, and we are victorious. I, I said to Pastor Kirsten, it's good to always win this morning. Come on, so, say to your neighbor, it's good to always win. Say, so, yeah, but... But, but I don't always win. Yes, you do, ultimately. You might have suffered a setback or a difficulty, and, but don't perceive that as a loss. Don't perceive that as, as, you, as you're, it's over because you're part of the church. I want you to say that I'm part of the church. You're, you're, you're God's church. You're the called out ones. Ecclesia is a political word that means called out and separated for the purposes of God. It's, it's really a, a political term that would mean a, a group of, or a body of people that would come out, that would vote, and when they would vote, that's the way that it would go. It would vote on what would take place, and then that would be law, if I could simply say it that way. The, Jesus didn't pick that word ecclesia for no good reason. He picked it because as the church goes, so goes our community. We are salt, we are light, we are a city on a hill. You know, the other day when I was so concerned with that windstorm that was just, I don't know, I prayed for healing for me. It was a year ago. 
it was a year ago, and wow, tooth and nail for a whole year we've had with our project. It has been one continual, I mean, I thought about the fact that it marked a year today that the windstorm came, and, uh, you know, maybe it was the second or something of January, and it, it caused millions of dollars worth of damage in our building and uh, set us back by months. Uh, someone said six months. I'm going to say it's at least four and it's very, very difficult. We, we would have been in last Easter. Hello. And that was the plan, last Easter, to be in. And, and we just had to, that's windstorm, and it hit us hard. Since then, it has been tooth and nail, week after week, battle after battle, one thing after another, and it's not let up. Somebody said, you have gray hair? I don't have any hair. And the good news is, is we're about to move in. Come on, somebody say hallelujah in the house of God. Can you give them praise in the house of God? He said, you're kind of excited about that. Oh, yes. But the church is not a building. We call this place the church house, but the church is God's people. We need buildings because we're, I mean, anybody thankful not meeting under a tent right now? But if we had to meet under a tent, we would. If I had to preach off of a, of a scissor lift, I would, and I did. And we will. We will do whatever is required to continue to do what God called us to do. And we are victorious. Come on, somebody say we're victorious. Come on, say I win. I say it again like you mean it. One, two, three. I, I win. win. Yeah, we win. I win. If you're part of the church, you win. I just returned from uh, visiting our ministry trip, visiting some of our extensions, and I went down to Tucson, Arizona, and installed the Haggerty's as the pastor of what is now called Kings Tucson South. I was in that city. It's massive. Has anybody ever been to Tucson? It's millions of people. It's just everywhere I look, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the most target-rich environment. I mean, millions of homes. And so many people that don't know the Lord. And there's, there's hundreds, thousands of churches. But I mean, if every church was filled, you wouldn't even come close to reaching the entire population there. And so as we were there and Kings Tucson South was started by John Harkey, who's got a powerful prophetic gift and travels around. And he was raised up in our church the same time I was being raised up. And so we know each other for 30 years, basically. And he has been traveling around the nation and in the nations, preaching, praying, prophesying. And God called him to have a series of meetings every Thursday in Tucson. So he began to do that. People began to gather. That's the short story. And he realized, my God, I'm not a pastor. Get Jesus, help me right now. So we prayed and saw fit to join Kings because he is Kings. He tithes to Kings. Kings is John Harkey's church, John and Meliana. And so we began to make a plan, and that's been uh, in the works, and we've been trying to fit that and make it work. And so now in the end, through a series of things that happened, we thought we were going to go another way possibly, so Kings Tucson South, uh, somebody else would pastor it. Uh, we thought it would originally be uh, Minister Barry and Jan, but as we move forward, things changed. And we had families go, so we started another one in the north. When we started the other one in the north, things shifted back. And so now the Haggerty's are pastoring two churches. So you pray for them. You pray for them. Jehovah Sneaky. 
See, I think he wanted to touch the north too, but maybe if we just went for the south, it might have been a minute before we started the north. So we started the north. He's like, good job. You can have the south also. Let's go. And so we were there, and it was absolutely uh, overwhelming to see what God is doing. God's healing people, setting the people free. He's expanding the church. He's expanding the vision of King's Cathedral and chapels around the world. That's what's happening. If, you, if, if Dr. Morocco, he just went on a tour and visited many of the churches through the Christmas holidays. If, if he was to do that just in the U.S., just in the U.S., it would take him three years to visit every extension. How, does, how do you do that? Through a tremendous team of people. And I'm glad to be a part of that. And to be down there and to see God pouring out his spirit. God gave the Haggertys this unique idea. They've knocked on 1,003 doors. I thought it was 1,000, but they corrected me. They say it's 1,003 now, Pastor. I said, okay. 1,003 doors they've knocked on since being down there for some 14 weeks. They've had church services in their home. They've got morning prayer every single day. They're going after God. The Hasses are doing wonderful and serving. The, the Davises are down there serving, and they're seeing tremendous fruit, and we're so encouraged. We really are encouraged by that. Found a building for them at heaven's prices, a perfect building. They can, where they've been moving, where they've been meeting. Been meeting in a house, but how many of you know sometimes you don't want everybody necessarily coming to your house? <laughs> oh, is that just me? You know that's true. There are some people that need some help that maybe shouldn't be inside your home because it might not be safe for your babies, okay? We want to help them? Absolutely. It might not be such a good idea to invite them to your home. So we started doing this church in the park. We went there, and they showed me where they do this church in the park, and they said, we're here, and we meet, and we bring burgers and hot dogs, and we preach, and it's translated into Spanish, and it's like this bubble of God's power comes down upon us, and so they're showing me. We're standing there, and I look up, and we're under a canopy of olive trees, and I said, those are olive trees. They're like, wow, they are. It was just this beautiful picture of God flowing through anointed leadership, but it reminded me of Zechariah and how oil flows through these two trees, a picture of anointed leadership. And I'll just tell you one story, and then I'm going to get into this, this text and the book of Acts this morning. They had a young man who came who was trembling under the preaching of the word. Minister Barry's preaching. It's being translated into Spanish. This young man is trembling, and he has these girls with him, and, and they begin to minister to him, and he says this, I'm an assembly of God pastor's son. I am on drugs, and these are my kids, and I need deliverance. And they lay hands on him, and the power of God touches the guy. Now, I'm going to just tell you that he wouldn't have been inside a church building. That's just one story. There is many, many others. People being saved, people being healed, people being delivered. It's like the book of Acts. You know why? Because Jesus said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. There is an assignment from the enemy to hinder what we've been called to do. I want to remind you that what we're all about here at King's. We are about reaching the lost. We're about souls. We're about making disciples and raising up leaders. We're about seeing the outpouring of the Spirit of God and God fulfilling everything he said in his word for you, for us together. We are the church. Come on, somebody say the church. We're the church and we're absolutely victorious. Beautiful. God is building his church. People being saved daily, miracles being released, provision being released. 
My goodness. Churches being planted. Write in your notes now. We see this happening not only today, throughout Kings. And of course, Kings is, is just a, a small stream in the river of the body of Christ. There's millions of churches worldwide. But I love being a part of Kings, and I love being a part of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And God is doing the book of Acts among us. When you look at the book of Acts, we see, we see really what, what it's modeled is the church growing, the church being built. He said, I will build my church. And you look at the book of Acts, you see what it looks like to see a church being built. It's not a building. Let me run that through one more time. When you look at the book of Acts, you see what's being modeled. I will build my church. So you see the book of Acts, you see it being modeled. So what does it mean actually to see his church built? I'm so glad you asked. Write in your, write in your notes. They grew in numbers. Everybody say they grew in numbers. We ministered to more people last year than we've ever ministered to ever. We saw a 120% increase in the amount of souls saved here. Here, 120% up from last year, from the year before that. Come on, say amen or something. Say, come on. We've seen more release of souls and miracles than we've ever seen before. And they grew in numbers as well. Book of Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 added to the church. In Acts chapter 3, this healing of this crippled man, 40 years old, comes into the temple. In Acts 4.4, it might say Acts 4.11 in your notes. Acts 4.4 is your right verse. Numbers grew to about 5,000 men. Now, that could be 20,000 people. You've heard that shared or preached. They only counted men. Sorry, ladies. Back then, they didn't count the women. So if each man was married and they had a family, you understand that it's a lot more than 5,000 people. Verse 4, those who heard the message believed, and the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Miracle released that. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, more and more men and women believed the Lord, and they were added to their number. Wow. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, in those days, a number of disciples were increasing. I love what it says in verse 7. So the word of God spread, and number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You see, that what was happening in the book of Acts is God is building his church. So what's with all the numbers, Pastor? I mean, don't make it about numbers. No, first of all, numbers are important. Otherwise, God wouldn't have a book in the Bible called Numbers. And Numbers represents souls. It's not numbers to puff up your ego and say, well, how big is your church? And No, it's about souls. Everybody say that. It's about souls. And it's important. And you'll see in Scripture how God took careful note of, in the Old Testament, 375 from the tribe of you know, 4,000 from on and on and on. All these numbers were very important. Statistics. He gives all these statistics. And the Apostle Paul in Romans names people by names. Thank this person. Thank this person. Greet this person. Why would it be that way? Because you matter. Your neighbor matters. I matter. We matter. People matter. Babies in the womb matter. 
And so, yeah, numbers are important. And you look at the book of Acts, he constantly lists numbers. And then there gets to a place where they don't list them anymore. It says, and then multitudes. What are multitudes? There's more than you can count. So I guess they could count up to 5,000. Then there's multitudes. Come on, somebody say multitudes. Church not only grew in number, they grew in power through signs, wonders, and miracles. This healing of the crippled man was a major miracle. We were just there. We were there, Pastor Tammy and a whole tour of us that went. We were there. We were there at the gate called Beautiful. We stood there, and I imagined that. Thousands of people coming into the temple. Jesus had walked past him. He didn't heal him. Sometimes, like, we don't understand why Jesus doesn't heal us instantaneously. How many of you know he's got a planned miracle for you? We contend for immediate, but sometimes it's progressive. And we contend for immediate, but sometimes it's in his perfect, you know, it's in his perfect timing. Trust God. So here's this crippled man. When he gets saved, thousands come to the Lord. It is truly a miracle. Through the releasing of signs and wonders. Signs and The church not only grew in number, it grew in power. Everybody say power. Power. Do you know your life ought to grow in power? Whatever level of anointing and unction is upon your life, it ought to increase. That is an aspect of the kingdom. The kingdom is, is not static. It's dynamic. It's ever-growing. You ought to be more in love with God now than you were last year. You ought to be more on fire now than you were last year. You ought to have more results now than you had last year. You say, really? Yes. What, what if that's not happening? Well, he didn't move, son. So maybe you have. Just saying. The church grew in power in Acts 4, with great power. With what kind of power? Great power. With great power, the apostles continue to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, the, pre the presence of the Lord was there. And now he's ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit. And Jesus said, it would be better that I go, that I would send another. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that lives on the inside of you is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. So there is really a lack of power and it's not God's fault either. But I see God demonstrating his power in new ways. I see God doing things that are amazing among us. Come on, would you, would you ask God to use you in greater power? Come on, raise a hand or a foot or something and say, God, use me in greater power. You can increase in the anointing. The streets of Israel were like a hospital. I mean, the streets were like an altar. You know, I'm so thankful you're here today. And I know many are traveling or people are vacationing or on trips, and we pray the blessing of God over them. You know, there's some people, that Assembly of God pastor's son who was on drugs with his two kids having visitation, he wasn't coming to a church. He came to a park, and it just so happened it just so happened somebody was there that was willing to share and the power of God began to break out. He was shaking. The young man was shaking. I need help. Yes, we all need help. Anybody remember the Jesus movement? You might not be old, you might not be old enough to remember the Jesus movement, but in the 70s, 
Now, I was affected by the Jesus movement. I was a kid. I was born in 66, but I was, you know, I don't know. Was, I think when I was first impacted by the Jesus movement, I was probably eight or nine. And uh, I went to Catholic Mass with my father, which was required. And uh, we were hoping to stay quiet and behave ourselves, which was, we had three brothers sitting together, so that would have been a miracle. And, and uh, we got in trouble a lot. And we had laughing fits and got in trouble with Dad. And I remember that one Sunday when a bunch of long hairs, <laughs> a bunch of Jesus people, they came to the front. There was like four of them. And they sang some song with a guitar, and they were in bell bottoms. It didn't look like anybody else in that church. And the priest said, we have some young people that want to share some music today. Go ahead. And they worshiped. And I was, I was picking on my brother or picking my nose. I don't know what I was doing. I wasn't paying attention to anything that was happening. And when they began to play, the Spirit of God came into that church came into that Catholic church, and God touched me. I remember my hair standing on end, and I remember looking at these unusual-looking people because there weren't a lot of folks like that around where I was raised. And I remember looking going, whoa, what is that? I mean, I was touched. All they needed to do is, is preach Jesus and give an altar call. I think I'd have gotten saved. I got apprehended by the Spirit. Later, I was in a park, playing with a friend at, the, at, the, at school. It was recess. I don't know where the teachers were, for God's sake, but a couple hippies came up to us and said, hey, man, how's it going? We're like, stranger, stranger. It was weird. I'm like looking for a teacher. There's no teacher. I don't know. Maybe, maybe been a hippie angel. I don't know. said, hey, man, just want to let you know that Jesus loves you, man. He loves you and has got a plan for your life, man. I'm like, okay. <gasps> Help! Yeah, I was totally freaked out. And we got up and like, thanks, and ran away. But there was an unction. There was something on his words. And there was something on the music. The reason there was such an awakening, I'm going to tell you why, is because people shared the gospel. It really is with power. People shared with power. That's how the church grew. That's how the church is able to overcome the forces of darkness, the gates of hell. This is what took place in the book of Acts. It's what needs to take place today. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead by God, in fact, because they lied to the Holy Spirit. There's some power, maybe not the kind of power you would want to have on your life. You lie to the Holy Spirit and he kills you. Let's move on. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. The apostles performed many, everybody say many, many miracle signs and wonders among the people. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 15 and 16, it states that the crowd brought their sick people so that the shadow of Peter, he was so close to the Lord. All of them were healed. How many? All of them were healed. I've had moments in my life that I reflect upon where going door to door, and it was like we entered in, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, and, and you can maybe naysay or balk at it, but maybe you've never positioned yourself to have that kind of thing happen, but as we were going door to door, 
at a, at a large building complex, door after door after door, witnessing and sharing Jesus with people. It was like we stepped through a portal. I don't even know how to describe to you what happened. The power of God came on us so strong. And I remember coming to the, the we, we had a time period by which we were doing it, and I was out of time, so it was my last house. And I remember as I'm coming to the house, it's almost like somebody was carrying me. I go to knock on the door. I don't even think I got one knock out, and the door opens. And I didn't start with, hi, my name's Pastor Daniel. I just want to tell you that I've come from the church kings down the street, and I just want to, it was none of that. Because it was such a power, like a cloud of power. The lady starts crying, and I said, God has sent me to your door. She says, I know. I've been praying. I said, amen. She says, come in. I said, and I'm going to tell you, it wasn't a thought process. We tell you, don't go into homes. But it was like, whoa, we move in. She says, everybody in the living room now. I'm gonna, I was like, whoa, that's kind of intense. Everybody, I mean, it was like cockroaches come from everywhere. There's so many people in that house. And they gather around. And they're like, God sent him here. I said, amen. And I preached, and they all gave, they all, I saw every single mouth moving, praying the sinner's prayer. And I prayed for healing, and they rolled out the guy that needed the miracle, and we prayed for him. I didn't see him pop out of the gurney. Power. We are not just playing some religion. There's power. There's power. And that's how the church overcame the gates of hell in the, in the book of Acts, and that is how the church overcomes the gates of hell today. Acts 9, paralytic is healed, and Dorcas, don't, it's probably not a good name to name your daughter, but she's, she's raised from the dead. The third thing that happened in the book of Acts that you see also today is the church expanded beyond Jerusalem. In Acts 8, Philip goes to Samaria, a place where you weren't supposed to go. You know, they said, some have said to the Haggertys, you can't go to that park. That park is dangerous. I'm dangerous. <laughs> Listen, fools go where angels fear to tread, but if God tells you to go and do something, for the love of God, do it. And do it under an unction. Do it under an anointing. Don't, don't, don't do it half-hearted and half-stepping. Then that would be dangerous. Don't do it out of some religious obligation. They said, we can't go to that park. That park's dangerous. Do you know how many shootings are there? So there they are. All kinds of people getting saved. All kinds of people getting healed in a place you should never go. Please don't hear me wrong. You go where God leads you and guides you. Don't be a went. Be a sent. What happened? I just went there and things didn't go right. That's because you were a went. A sent is somebody... <laughs> A scent is somebody that God speaks to and under an unction goes to obey the word of the Lord. And not every place, you're not supposed to go every place, but there's people that don't know Jesus there. Yes, that's true. And that happened with the Apostle Paul, but he wasn't allowed to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit said, no, -uh, no, don't go there. Go here. The church expanded beyond Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, Cornelius, Caesarea. We went there. Roman centurion is saved along with his friends and his family. The church is expanding, planting. In book of Acts chapter 11, verse 19, the church in Antioch is really the first multi-ethnic church. The church in Antioch. It's kind of like this. Just a mashup 
of every nation, tribe, and tongue. We have people from all over the world here. That is, that's the way it should be. He said, well, I, I don't like that. Well, you'll hate heaven then. I just want to be around white people. I just want to be around black people. I just want to be around green and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. This is a beautiful place where there's a mashup of culture. Polynesians and Caucasians and black folks and yellow folks. And we're all human beings. And the church expanded from Antioch. The first missionaries were sent out. So now here, catch this now. Along with growth, along with church growth came <laughs> problems. Tremendous opposition. Listen, if you miss this, you'll miss it. The whole text, I will build my church, gates of hell will not prevail. Which means gates of hell are trying to do something, but they won't win. The gates of hell, gates, upper echelon, decision-making power, the, the devil, tries to stomp the church, but it won't work. And if we could reflect back to Ephesians, uh, pardon me, uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 is a favorite scripture of mine. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard it. And they overcame him. Overcame who? Satan. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and love their lives not so much as to shrink from death. Some of you are saved. You love the Lord. And if you're not, we can, we can remedy that. Give your life to Christ today. Blood of the lamb. Word of your testimony. Some of you haven't haven't testified like you need to. You need to start testifying. You need to start sharing. Some of you have tremendous influence online. Use it for the glory of God. Use it. Use your influence at work. Use your influence with your business. Use it to testify. What, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Testify. And, I, and I, back to the hippie movement, the Jesus movement, I should say. Corrected Jesus movement. They, sh they were not ashamed. You picked up a hitchhiker and he said, hey man, you ever heard about Jesus? They just witnessed, come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? They were not ashamed to testify every person they met. I've been born again. Have you been born again? What's a born again? I, I used to think it was a born again, not born again. I thought it was one word. It was a cult. What cult is that? It's the born -agains. No, really, I thought the born agains were a cult. And I heard people say, that's a cult. Oh, it's a cult, is it? In fact, Catholic Catholicism, when you get down to it, believe the same thing. Mix some kind of Mariology doctrines of demons in there. But, but, but ultimately, the truth is, you must be born again. The hippie movement happened because these, you couldn't shut these people up. They were drug pushers, and then they became Jesus pushers. Opposition. They overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb, word of their testimony, and listen to, the, listen to number three, most people don't use it. And they love their lives not so much as to shrink back from death. In other words, even though it's possibility of death, they said, in the name of Jesus, he saved me. You can't kill me because I'd go straight to heaven. They wouldn't shrink back for opposition. I'm gonna tell you one of the beautiful things about Alaskans. You all are the most tenacious bunch of Jesus freaks. A, a normal group would have quit. Normal folks would have had the worldly sense to quit. But we have a vision from God, and God has sustained us, and we've, we've, we've persevered by the grace of God. But there's opposition, and the same is true today. Listen, COVID-19 was straight from the pit of hell. 
perhaps organized and created even by governmental one, you know, governmental entities. We don't know the truth of that. We'll know maybe when we get to heaven. I know it's from hell because it works so hard to shut the church down. You had to be six feet apart from each other, but you could sit in each other's laps very well and on airplanes. Pushed so hard for getting people uh, inoculated, the vaccine. Now, I'm not against vaccines per se. What I am against is somebody making me do something and telling me I'm going to get fired if I don't do it. Because that reminds me of control that I see even in, in, in times past without the mark. You couldn't buy or sell. We had people lose their jobs. Listen, if you wanted to get vaccinated, then you did. Glory. If you don't want to get vaccinated, then you didn't. Glory. I, I'm, I'm a part of the United States of America. You can't. No. You guys are right? There is an attempt on the behalf of hell to hinder the church. And you know what I found? Here's what I found. Every church that fought against that and stood and declared, and we did everything we can to attempt to obey the rules and regulations, but stay open, preaching, praying, prophesying, reaching the lost. I mean, it's 32 degrees. I was on a scissor lift. My Bible's partially ruined in one place because of this freezing rain that came in. Pastor Kirsten got some incredible umbrella to come over me. My hands, I could not feel my hands when I was preaching people in the parking lot that spring. Couldn't feel my hands. And I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know that I've ever been more exhilarated for the gospel. I thought, whoa, let's go, because we're not going to stop. i got to share this story. There was a series of challenges, and I have to leave the names out, but they're, they're at the, some of the highest levels around here. We had an obstacle that we had to overcome, and I needed help from high-level people. So I made a determination that I was going to meet with them, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. I'm praying for people one afternoon here at, the, at our King's School of Ministry, and I'm supposed to stay and pray. I get to like the fourth person in, and the Lord says, now, go now. I literally got my stuff and left. And some of you are in that meeting, you remember. I left, I walked into that place, which remained nameless. And there was no one there. And I walked right back in to talk to the person that was in charge, the person that the Lord wanted me to talk to, and there they are. No appointment, no schedule, didn't call. The Lord called for me. And as I showed up, they said, oh, Pastor Daniel. I said, just a minute. I waited, got my turn. Sat down, talked, got the breakthrough, got favor, and then here's what they said to me. They said, uh, you know, you don't know it, but I've been watching your church. I said, oh, wonderful, she says. And what you also don't know is that I used to live just down the street from your old building. I said, no kidding. She says, you know, when COVID hit, I said, yeah, you were preaching outside. I said, yes. She said, I would listen to every." Single message you preached. And I thought, and they said to me, I really got touched by the Lord. I said, awesome. Can you imagine if we just decided to go online? You know, I'm thankful for online. There is always opposition. And I covenant with you, and I have already with the Lord. We will never back off. We will never shut up. We will never quit. 
We will never stop until he comes to take us home. We will preach the gospel and there will be opposition like a Mack truck with your name on the front. But it just won't work. It won't prosper. No weapon formed against you shall, shall prosper. Come on, can you say amen on the first day of 2023? God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now remember, you are part of the church which means he'll build your family, he'll build you, he'll build your marriage, he'll build your kids because you're a part of the church. If you do what they did, which we'll get into in just a moment. The church is sacred. You can't stop what God started. Let me say that again. Church is sacred. This is not some little thing that we do, some little patty cake for Jesus and just go home. No, we're here to affect change. I got to say, I started to say it, I didn't finish, but I'm reminded of it. I came across the hill on the way to our new building during all the wind and the power outages, just recent ones. And I came over that hill and it was no street lights, no house lights. It was utter blackness except for one beacon on the hill, which was our church, shining like a, like a light, like a beacon in the night. Just woo. And I thought, woo, city on a hill. Because we have our own power source. We have power you know not of. And you can't shut it down. You can't shut down the, the power of God. Well, you can. Backslide, turn your back, and shrink back, and you shut it down. But that's not what we should do. In Acts chapter 4, verse 17, the Sanhedrin talking about opposition as we move forward now. Sanhedrin forbid Peter and John, don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Sanhedrin is like the Supreme Court. There's no gatherings, there's no singing, and you can't talk about him. Does that sound familiar? Listen, it wasn't the first time that governmental overreach tried to take place for the church, and it won't be the last time. I'm telling you, it won't be the last time. There's other things that are headed our way. Consider it not strange, my beloved brethren. You face all kind of fiery trials. You know, we, we win. And what you might not realize is that even, even today, in front of the United Nations in Manhattan, in New York, there is a picture of this winged beast, in fact, called the beast. The same image is found in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, and it is in front of the United Nations. We live in an hour that's very dark, but God has caused grace to abound. There is opposition. So all this practice for the mark, cryptocurrency and FTX. You say, are you against cryptocurrency? Listen, I'm not against making money. I'm not against becoming wealthy so that you can give it, not so that it owns you. If possession, you should possess things, they shouldn't possess you. And if you can't give it away, then you are owned. So that's how that is. So I'm not against that, but at the same time, you have to be careful. Cryptocurrency, we just saw that FTX failure. I mean, that, that thing's going to get deep and wide as long as it's not suppressed. Like others who had a heart attack in jail before they could testify or... Hello? Hello? There's opposition. <laughs> Whoever controls the internet can, seems to control that. Well, who's that? I don't know. Moving towards a cashless society. Come on, somebody say there's opposition. There's a political agenda to shut the church up. 
He calls it hate crimes and on and on and on. Acts 4 and verse 40, the apostles are flogged. Wow. I'm pretty sure nobody's suffered like that for Christ here. There might be some in the next service, I think, that come from, from Russia and had their grandparents unthinkably tortured for the gospel. We know people like that in, in this church. Grandfathers skinned alive. Oh, yeah. You got cut off by somebody and you know you've been persecuted because you had a Christian fish on the back of your car when really you were driving slow and foolishly. You frustrated somebody and you call it persecution. No, I'm talking about real persecution. I don't, most of us haven't experienced that. They don't like me because I'm a Christian. Oh, get over yourself. <laughs> we better move on. They stoned Stephen to death in Acts 7. Talking about opposition. Saul persecuted, persecuted the church in Acts 9. It's funny how you know, the, per, the persecutor of the church gets transformed becomes one of the great champions. King Herod, in desiring to, ple to please the unbelieving Jews, killed James, the brother of John, arrested Peter with the intent of killing him. So there's opposition. How did the church in the midst of opposition continue to grow? The very same way that we are and we will. What do you mean we are? We have overcome opposition and we will overcome opposition. How? The same way they did. It is a recipe. It is a model that if you get away from it, you're going to get shut down. You're going to, as a family, as a church family, as a, as, a, as, a, as a mom and dad, as a single person, you need to do these things that they did in the book of Acts and I'm going to quickly move through them. They understood about the Apostle Paul when he stated in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 that we're co-laborers together with God. Co-laborers in what? Building his church. Come on, someone say, I'm working with God. Come on, say it again. I'm working with God. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, are you working with God? He should be your CEO. He should be your chief financial officer. He should be the one that gives you your marching orders every single day. You co-labor with God, you get God-like biblical results. How did they do that? They fasted and prayed. They what? They fasted and prayed. All through the book of Acts, all through the Old Testament, but also in the New, you see fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer always go together. We start tomorrow. And I think we have some cards. We have those. Very good. Can we uh, distribute those everywhere as I preach? So just go ahead and start passing them out. We have a 21-day fast every single year. It starts tomorrow. You say, well, I'm not ready. That's okay. You just pray and let the Lord speak to you about what you should do. But we fast and pray because it brings results and because it is a biblical mandate, I believe, to fast and pray. I've met people even in this community that have gone to church for 20 and 30 years that have never heard about fasting. Fasting and prayer has been that which has brought deliverance and breakthrough for us over and over and over and over. I can't count all the times, corporately, individually, that God has brought breakthrough. That's what they did. When they didn't know what to do, they'd fast and pray, and God would speak to them. God would give them a sign. God would give them a vision. They would fast and pray. I'm alive. This was so moving for me this morning as I was praying. I was on this point just going through it, praying. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're alive because your people have prayed for you. I have pneumonia standing here right now. It's on the way out. A walking pneumonia tried to fill my lungs. COVID tried to kill me. So why would that happen? 
Because if the Lord can strike the shepherd, he'll scatter the sheep. And I know I'm not the only one. I, I understand that. I am, I'm probably like his 10th pick. He told me, you weren't my first choice. The Lord told me that. I'm like, okay, but you're picking me now. Let's go. And I am aware that the Lord really made it clear to me that I'm alive right now because you pray for me. I want to say thank you. And then I want to tell you I need more prayer. Now, I, I'm, I have tremendous accountability. We've built rightly, so I'm told. And we have tremendous network of support and prayer and accountability and transparency and all of that. We have all of that. Why would the devil fight so hard over some little building and some little territory for whatever reason? I don't understand it, but for whatever reason, I know it has to do with building his church, and that's people, that's souls. I'm telling you, I need, my wife and I need more prayer. I look back over the past year and I thought, what a fight. Pastor Kirsten, you need more prayer. My, all my staff needs more prayer. Is that incredible to think that you and I would not be here? We'd have been creamed. We'd been dead. If he could kill us, if the devil could kill us, he would have. He can't. Because you pray, because we pray, because we live right. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The gates of hell will not prevail. They understood that they were co-laboring with God. They fasted and prayed. They witnessed. Look at number, look at number two. They witnessed. Everywhere they went, they shared the gospel. Would you do that? And let me ask you this. If you're not willing to, then ask yourself why. Are you ashamed? I'm just not my my personality. Oh, stop. Get over yourself. Witness in some capacity. Share your faith. I'm uncomfortable. So what? I think it's pretty uncomfortable to hang on a cross. I'd imagine that was pretty uncomfortable. Jesus did it for you, so you didn't go to hell. I think we ought to share our faith. We need to share our faith. And then if you're not willing to, then just take a look. Not under a condemning way. That's from the devil. I'm not trying to condemn you. But I want you to look and to see. Why is it that I don't want to share? Maybe you don't believe. Fix that. Maybe, maybe because you've got things in your life that you're... You don't feel good about that. Maybe you're convicted about, but you've been, you've been winking at it. Maybe you need to get rid of that in 2023. Maybe it's your conscience that bothers you. I don't know what the reason is. My wife and I win souls everywhere we go. We walk into situations because I know the Lord just knows that I'm going to do something about it. I can't help myself. I can't help but testify. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.